Welcome to the Asbury First United Methodist Church Weekly Sermon. We hope you enjoyed this message by Stephen Cady. For more information about this podcast or other ways to connect, please visit asburyfirst.org. In four days, most of us will gather to share a meal. We will gather around a common table with an intentional group of people and break bread together, literally or figuratively. Now, not all of our Thanksgiving meals, of course, will be the same. We don't all do it the same way. Some of us have turkey, others tofurkey. Some of us eat on Thanksgiving Day. Some of us do it the day before or the day after. Some of us eat early. Others of us do it the right way. But the point is, if we are lucky enough to have a meal to share and people to share it with, we will do everything in our power to do so this Thursday in T-minus four days, we will share a meal together. The question is, who will we share it with? Will this year be a friends giving or a family giving or a stranger giving? Because as we answer that question, of course, it changes the dynamic of the meal, doesn't it? If we are there with friends or family or coworkers or strangers or foreign exchange students, we know that the meal is going to be a little different. If we share a meal with people who think like us and look like us and worship like us and vote like us, well, then we'll approach the meal one way. If we share with the meal with people who don't do any of those things, well, that will be different too. We're a little rustier at that kind of meal, aren't we? It takes a little more preparation. <clears throat> and you know the preparation that we speak of. How many conversations do we have before the Thanksgiving meal about the conversation at the Thanksgiving meal? Not to mention the one that comes after. Before, of course, it's all about the topics, that laundry list of items that we know under no circumstances we can bring up, family secrets and otherwise, lest Uncle Bob gets going on his conspiracy theories or Aunt Ruth begins that line of all the great things she hears on her favorite 24-hour cable news network. After the meal, of course, it's all of those items that we clearly forgot to add to the list this year that we will note for next year. And at some level, it makes sense, doesn't it? Who wants to have their Thanksgiving dinner ruined by Aunt So-and-So's racism? Not me. And yet it does seem like a sort of missed opportunity, doesn't it? In this world in which we are so rarely around people who think differently than us, it does seem a shame that that one moment in which we sit down to break bread with those who think differently, we spend the meal pretending like we don't. We miss something, don't we? And we are different. All of us are a little different, aren't we? Sure, at some level, we all 
human beings, all of us, we long for kind of the same things, meaning and belonging and a little hospitality. But other than that, we're a little different. How we approach it is a little different. I have some gifts that maybe you don't. You have some gifts that maybe I don't. And we come to the table and we learn something a little new together. We find our way together as we share those gifts around that common table. And maybe in breaking bread, we have our eyes opened. We wouldn't be the first. We remember that story from Scripture, don't we? And in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were open. In other words, friends, if we can't have hard conversations with the people we are close enough to share our Thanksgiving meal with, how much harder will it be for those that we have trouble bringing to the table in the first place? Of course, we're Methodists. This is a part of who we are, isn't it? John Wesley believed that conversation was a means of grace, or at least it could be. Conversation, when done well, when done right, can be a means of grace. It can reveal the grace of God made known in Jesus Christ, a grace which we did nothing to earn and thank God can do nothing to take away, a grace when embraced and recognized that it is universal, that it is for all of us, has the ability to change the world. And in case you haven't noticed, the world could use a little changing right about now. Why not start Thursday? And if it feels a little intimidating to jump right into a hard conversation, why don't we practice it today? Sure, we don't have the turkey or the mashed potatoes or the stuffing or the gravy, but we can imagine that, couldn't we? We can picture ourselves all sitting around a giant table picturing how a conversation might go. Maybe in practicing that conversation, we might learn a little something. We've even been presented with a sort of difficult topic. Did you hear the scripture lesson for today? The parable of the talents. It is a parable that has been confused and ill-considered throughout entirety of Christian history and has caused no shortage of harm. So why not try considering it together? Now, for those who missed it, here is the basic gist of the parable. There's a man who is going on a trip, and so he calls together his slaves. Let's just pause there for a second. We can already start to understand some of the problematic nature of this. We have ventured firmly into the problematic nature of this particular parable. There is a man with slaves. Just stop there. We don't really have to go that much further to recognize the challenges of a parable like this, but we do go on. To the first enslaved person, he gave five talents. Now, talents, when we hear it, of course, we think of juggling or tightrope walking or the greatest talent of them all, yo-yoing. But this was having to do with money, and not a little money, but a lot of money. One talent was said to be worth 15 years average wages for a daily laborer. 15 years. If in Rochester, New York, the average laborer earns $55,000 a year, we're talking about $825,000. To the first one, he gave five talents, or the equivalent of $4,125,000 a lot of money. To the second one, he gave two talents, and to the third enslaved person, he gave one talent. 
Then the man went away for some time. How long? We don't know. But when he came back, he calls together those three enslaved persons. And the first one, who, to whom he had entrusted five talents, had earned five more talents and gave them back to the master. And then the enslaved person who had two talents had earned two more and gave them back to the master, at which point the master congratulated both of them, rejoiced in all the good work that they had done, and said, because you have done great with a little, I will give you a lot, and sent them on their way. But then came the third enslaved person, who when, received, when he received his talent, he buried it in the ground. And when the master asked what he had done with his talent, he said, Oh, master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and scattering and gathering where you did not scatter. And I was afraid. And he handed back over the single talent that he had been given. The master grew angry and chastised the slave, called him worthless and said, to those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have little, even what they have will be taken away. And then he threw that worthless slave out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a nice Thanksgiving parable. <laughs> and I'd imagine that each of us heard a little something different in that parable, didn't we? As we think around our proverbial table, that big table that all of us found a seat at this morning, somehow managed to, based upon, you know, what we brought to the table when we came to the table, and certainly what we are facing when we walk away from the table, we might have each heard this particular parable a little differently. Not that the parable changed, there may be some translation issues or something, but the parable is what the parable is. It's just that sometimes we bring something a little different to it and we hear something a little different in it. Maybe the question we ought to ask ourselves anytime we step to a common table is, what are we bringing to it? What are you bringing to the table this morning? What's going on in your life? How does it change the way you hear this parable? If you are a person whose ancestors had been enslaved, <coughs> who understand firsthand what it's like to be called worthless, to have your body commodified and tossed out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, we can imagine that you might hear this parable a little differently than some, someone who looks like me. If you're a person who's suffering under the crushing weight of poverty, we can imagine that you have a hard time hearing that single sentence to whom those who have much more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. For the fundamentalists among us, you might, who are really thinking about how, when Jesus are, is going to return, just like Matthew was thinking, then you might struggle with other parts of this passage. The point is, what do you bring to this passage today, and how does it hit you? 
because it's bound to change how we face this particular conversation. What we bring to the table changes the conversation we will have at it. And maybe the way that we approach some of the challenges we are facing right now in this world is by recognizing that we each bring something to the table and we deserve to be there. Each one of us coming to the table, sharing what it is we have and recognizing that we're not the same and yet there's something beautiful in that because that's the way God made us and at God's table, everyone is welcome. Of course, what we bring to the table is just one piece of it. It's hard to have a conversation if it's just about what you bring. It's also about what you share, and we're not talking about green bean casserole at this Thanksgiving meal. We're talking about our willingness to share, that is, to speak, and also to listen. Some of us are better at one than the other. We're pretty good at speaking, but we're fairly terrible at listening, or we're pretty good at listening, but fairly terrible at speaking, and yet we need both if we're going to have an honest and earnest conversation at a table, at a table in which we might actually grow together, at a table in which we might walk away from it different than we walked to it. So let's practice today. We don't have the turkey, but we can picture it. Maybe we're passing around the turkey and the gravy and the stuffing and the mashed potatoes and we're lumping it all together as is the right way to do it. And we find our way eating. And as we do, somebody just starts off with a simple statement about the passage that they heard. They say, you know, all that language about slavery is really problematic, isn't it? And maybe somebody else picks up the conversation, as happens in these kinds of moments. They say, yeah, it is. And if you think about the way this passage has been abused throughout the century, maybe we ought to just take a moment to think about it. And frankly, even if we just stayed on that for the rest of the dinner, we might be better off for it. Too often, Christians forget that we have, throughout the centuries, baptized our bigotry. We have turned our own sin into something that we called holy. So we could stay there, but let's say the conversation continues. Maybe at the second go-around of the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the stuffing, we pick up another thread of the conversation. Maybe one of our more traditionalist siblings around the table says, well, you know, I sort of hear this as the fact that Jesus is coming back anytime soon, that he's only been gone for a little while, and when he comes back, we better have done something with that which with, with which we've been entrusted. And maybe others around the table will nod their heads, and a woman at the end of the table might say, I think I get where you're going, but you know, that does turn Jesus into a slave master, which is problematic. And yet, there is something to be said about using the gifts that God has given us in the short time that we have to use them. And maybe that leads into a discussion around the table as people are sharing the thirdsies around the table of just times that they've used their particular gifts and the way that they've failed or not to use those throughout their lives until we get finally to the clearing of the plates and dessert, or at least first dessert, it is Thanksgiving after all, when someone at the end of the table who hasn't said much finally decides to pipe up and perhaps she says to the table, well, what if we're just thinking about this in the wrong way? What if she says, 
What if the slave master is really a stand-in for unjust systems? And that in this world, people get rewarded for participating in those unjust systems. Sometimes they even get rejoiced upon and have their bank accounts grow and their life seem good, and yet they still don't realize that in the end, they're slaves. We're so used to David and Goliath stories, we think that in the end, the small guy is always going to win, but maybe this person reminds us that it's more like Jesus. That even though you stand up for what is right, it doesn't mean that good things are going to happen. Sometimes, like the third enslaved person, you stand up to injustice, refuse to participate in that unjust system, and still find yourself cast out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. We could keep going, of course. Picture the conversation as we get up from the table and move to watch the football game or whatever else it is that is happening in our lives. We can picture how that might go as we find our way, but the point is the same, that in the end, if we want to find our way in this world out of the pain and division that we have come to accept as normal, then it's going to take some conversation, honest conversation. We're going to have to learn to talk to each other, one soul to another, one human to another, and not all of us are going to think the same way because we're not the same people. And maybe we have a chance in this moment to practice what it's like. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. Who do we share our tables with? In four days, most of us We'll do our very best to gather around a table and share a meal with one another. Sure, we'll all do it a little differently. Some of us will have turkey, others tofurkey. Some of us will do it on Thanksgiving Day. Some others of us will do it on a different day. Some of us will eat early and others of us will do it the right way. But all of us have a chance to start a conversation that can change the world. And if we all accept that gift, then maybe by next year at this time, we will have something truly to give thanks for. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Asbury First Weekly Sermon. If you enjoyed this message, please visit asburyfirst.org and learn more about our mission to love God and neighbor, live fully, serve all, repeat.